This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. Sona, how's your sock drawer looking? It's messy. There's a lot of single socks. Yep. I think it's time for a little spring cleaning. Oh. <laughs> Check out Bombas. Once you try a pair, you'll never look at socks the same way again. I should know. I like my Bombas. Their spring collection has new garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. My feet have never been to a party. <laughs> They've so got sad. stripes and florals and new vintagey colored rib socks. You know, when I'm wearing Bombas, I feel like my feet are being caressed okay. and cared for in a way they never have been in my life. Hmm. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash Conan and use code Conan for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash Conan and use code Conan at checkout. <laughs> My name is Rachel Dratch. And I feel overly excited about being Conan O'Brien's friend. But wait, wait, why overly excited? Why not appropriately excited? Well... Don't you think? Because I also feel a little nervous. When I'm doing these things, I get a little, like, heart racing a little bit. So I threw in the overly well, that's to make just... it different. That's just the cocaine yeah. talking. Exactly. We can be honest I know. Here. You know me too well. You are a known cokehead. <laughs> if I sing it, it's not as offensive. Fall is here. Hear the yell. Back to school. Ring the bell. Brand new shoes. Walk and lose. Climb the fence. Books and pens. I can tell that we are going to be friends. Yes, I can tell that Hello and welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Uh, we have a uh, fantastic podcast for you today. Uh, I actually don't know if that's true. Um, hmm. That's just a show business thing. You sort of come in with bravado and confidence. I do think it's going to be good. Yeah. It's going to be quite good. What do you mean you think? You you did the interview already. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's, that's nice to give away the magic that the <laughs> interview's been done already. The interview is, I like the interview a lot. Yeah. I really do like the interview, but this part, you don't know what I'm going to talk about. No. So this, this could go right in the toilet. This could. And so for me to say fantastic or this fabulous or an amazing episode is a falsehood. Right. Because I think the interview is wonderful, but I have no faith in what I'm about to say. Okay. Uh, I have given it. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what we're going to talk about. All right, cool. You know, so yeah. this is just totally going to wing it and see what happens. So mm. what are we talking about? Well, this occurred to me. Oh, I don't like, I don't like whatever's happening right now. 
I have been experiencing, and I know people are fascinated in our culture with, let's, I wanna know behind the scenes, what's really going on with, with our biggest stars. What's it really like to be them? Uh, well, let me open up a window for you and tell you, because um, I think it's fair to say that I'm a big deal. Oh. Yeah. I'm, oh. Up, I'm up there with the, uh, I'm the Timothée Chalamet of comedy, oh. if you will. <laughs> wow. Well, I think that's fair. He's so young and So what's new. that about? I didn't say anything about my age or, or I know, how... I feel really bad. The second young yeah. came out, I felt mm -hmm. really bad that's about not, it. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying I am, I think most people right now listening to the podcast are nodding. If you said to them, what's Conan? I think a lot of people would say he's the Timothée Chalamet of comedy. Well, what, it, what is it that you guys have in common? Um, just this, we're omnipresent, we're everywhere. Uh, you know, try and avoid Conan O'Brien in the culture and try and avoid Timothée Chalamet, not gonna happen. Right. Anytime you uh, turn up a volume uh, dial, you're gonna hear me. <laughs> we're, I'm everywhere. Do you think that your podcast right now is like as talked about as the movie Dune? <laughs> yes. Oh, you I, do? I, yeah. Oh, okay. I think it's probably up there with, I bet I'm, I'm not, I haven't checked to see if I'm trending and I don't encourage anyone to check. I think just please don't check. Yeah. But I bet Dune's trending, Chalamet's trending, mm -hmm. and uh, that Conan guy is trending. It, am I Zendaya? No. That's ridiculous. Did I pronounce that right? I hear she's hardly in the movie. Yeah, she's in like 10 minutes. I, I haven't oh. seen it yet, but she's in, she's everywhere. And I thought, oh, I this is the seen. story of Timothée Chalamet and Zendaya, yeah. uh, you know, on a sand planet. And uh, no, apparently, she, I think she enters briefly, looks at the camera, says, Zendaya present and then walks out. Oh. Uh, present and accounted for, I think it's her full line. Might be happy to be here. Anyway, She's I'm gonna beautiful. let you in on what it's like to be me, which is I've had a lot of mouth discomfort okay. lately. Oh, this is this how you're a, Timothy Chalamet. Huh. He talks about his mouth discomfort does, all the time. No, he doesn't. <laughs> no, of course he oh, doesn't. I gonna that's say, oh, that's sarcasm. I just believe anything Sona ever tells me. Yeah, that was so, oh, I see, it's sarcasm. Well, guess what? Yeah. If he wants to stay relevant, he should let people in on what's going on with himself medically. <laughs> okay. I would tell Timothée Chalamet, uh, that he should okay. tell people. By the way, little known fact, you remember this, Sona. Yeah. A couple of years ago, we did a shows at Comic-Con and a good friend of mine brought uh, his nephew to our after party. Yeah. It was Timothée Chalamet about, I wanna say a year before he blew up. Wow. Or a year and a half, maybe two years. Uh, yeah, I think it, I, I know what you're saying. It and was he hung out at our story. after party and I have a yeah. picture of me with Timothée and I'm like, yeah, he seems like a nice kid. I'll give him a little picture. He can, he's gonna treasure this his whole life. Yeah. This picture with Conan O'Brien. Get in here, kid. Here's something you can hang on to for the rest of your life. This is your biggest moment right now. <laughs> your picture with Conan O'Brien. Yeah. Click. He's the biggest star in the universe. <laughs> Oscar nominee. Yeah, uh -huh. and uh, you know, what am I over here? Chopped liver? Yes, I am. But anyway, that's not my point. My yeah. point is to get across that I knew Timothée Chalamet just before he blew up, and some would say I'm responsible. Others would say there's no connection. Right. And he owes me nothing. Yes. That's probably the more logical explanation. What's happening with your health? My health. I've had <laughs> this, and I'm letting you in, on a big star's pain and agony. I have had this discomfort in my mouth that really I swore to God was a, a tooth 
a bad tooth. So I went to the dentist, they took x-rays, nothing wrong. Mm. A couple of weeks later, it's still really bothering me. I go back, more x-rays. They look, they go, no, nothing's wrong. And then one of them said, you know what? Your sinus cavity is very close to the tooth nerve. Have you had a cold lately? Yes, I have. Mm. Mm. So then I look up online, nasal uh, swelling, tooth pain, <laughs> and it comes back <laughs> with the- Google search. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's what people want to hear about. Conan's Google searches. That's some sexy Hey, you want to hear about my sexy Google search? Check this out. Nasal inflammation, mouth pain. MILF. I put no. MILF, I put MILF in at the end. No. Yeah. Yes, I did. And man, was I off to the race. Oh. Anyway, uh, just if you're out there, uh, it's a real thing. Well, and then it suggested take a decongestant and see what happens. I took a decongestant, tooth pain went away completely. Oh. And so I'm going to get it checked out. I'm going to see an ENT. I'm going to get this sinus thing worked out. Yeah. But I just want you to know, well, I just let you in. I made myself vulnerable. And I think that's, that's pretty nice. uh, brave of me. Well, and if you're out there and you're suffering from a toothache and you're going to the dentist and they're saying there's nothing wrong, it could be a sinus thing. Right. You're saving lives. Saving lives. Okay. All right. I get it. I get it. I'm a, the joke is on me. Sexy Googling about sinus infections. I, you know what? I would do you be, just add MILF to every Google search? I just add MILF to everything. I really do. Oh. Yeah, I do. Um, mm. Battle of Lexington and Concord, 1775, MILF. <laughs> and you will see very attractive women in their 40s um, naked uh, fighting it out with the British. Naked? Yeah. Oh. Would you think a MILF search? They're not, they're wearing what? You think they're wearing beekeepers outfits? <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't know. Well, you have to also put naked. Oh, you uh, have to So you add MILF naked. Yeah, sometimes I forget the naked and I do just Lexington Concord um, battle 1775 naked. And it's a naked male recreation <laughs> of that battle. And that's not, I have to say, it's just not it's, fun. It doesn't do it for you. It doesn't do it for me. Yeah. But- Let's review yeah. what we've learned in this incredible opening to the show that was completely unscripted. Uh, one, uh, if you have mouth pain, it could be your sinus. Just check into that. Yes. Mm -hmm. And if you want temporary relief, use a decongestant. Got it. Uh, two, Timothée Chalamet. <laughs> uh, the biggest thing that may ever have happened to him is his picture with me, right. which I'm sure he treasures. I've seen some photographs of him because there's photographs of him everywhere mm -hmm. and he's wearing a locket. I bet it's the photo of me <laughs> and him in the locket. Oh. I'm pretty sure that's Do true. Do you think he remembers taking that picture with you? I think, uh, no. <laughs> quite, I bet he does. I'm quite certain. No. I'm quite certain he has no memory of anything that happened to him. When He's got the kind of fame where everything that happened to you before that fame started is completely obliterated. <laughs> It's like Men in Black. His, when you get that kind of fame, all memory prior to that is wiped clean. Yeah, mm. oh, that's, okay, yeah. I get that. I know that I'm not that famous because I remember everything really well. <laughs> I was just gonna ask if you remember anything from oh, before you were 29. No, a super very detailed granular memories of fifth grade. <laughs> Uh, and all the humiliations and struggles with acne, all still there in brilliant Technicolor. So yes, wow. uh, I never quite made it. Um. But I've talked to people like Tom Hanks and I've said, so, you know, uh, before Splash, and he's like, nothing. Wow. <laughs> no memory. And, and then Steve Martin, no memory. 
Betty White's real fame oh. came later in life. She has no memory of anything that happened to her before she was 85. So he oh. won't remember having ice cream with me at Ghirardelli. Who? Timothy? Timothy Chalamet. Imagine if he remembered Sona, but didn't remember <gasps> you. Could we have him on the podcast? Well, Are you guys, do you have his number? Are you close? No, I don't have his number. Uh, I could probably get it, but no, I, I don't have his number. I'm sure, you know what? I'm going to say Sona. Sure. I'm going to be nice to you. Yes. I'm <laughs> sure he remembers having ice cream with you. Okay. He probably remembers exactly what he ordered. Peppermint fudge ripple crunch. <laughs> you remember? Chalamet. That's the sound of Tim that he made when he kisses someone. Chalamet. It's in the air. It's in the air. Chalamet. That's nice. My guest today. <laughs> my guest today is a hilarious actress and comedian who was a cast member on Saturday Night Live for seven years, creating the iconic character Debbie Downer. Now she has a new film, which she co-wrote and stars in A Clusterfunk Christmas. I'm very happy to talk to her again because- we have some memories of uh, sharing 30 Rock together, me at Late Night, she at SNL, and some of our misadventures. I'm thrilled she's with us today. Rachel Dratch, welcome. Rachel, I'm very happy to talk to you because you're hilariously funny. Thank and you. be loved, but oh, also, you. in addition Here to that, comes. you and I, uh, we go back a ways. We have some, we got a few war stories, I think, that we could talk we do. about. And we do. I don't know if you're thinking what I'm thinking, but I have I'm a thinking, very clear yes. memory once, and I I'll set it, it up. coming right out. I knew yeah. it was going to be first. Is this where you sexually- <laughs> it starts with a W. Is this where you sexually harass me on, <laughs> harass me on an elevator? Because that's what I was thinking I about. I blocked that part out. Yeah, you were trashed. No, mine starts with a W. With a W. Yeah. Is it Wendy's? Yes! 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 This is so exciting. Okay. (laughs) Let me roll this out for people and then- Roll it. I'll I'll start it, which is, I believe it was around Thanksgiving time. And this is back in the day. I'm uh, the host of the late night show. uh, And I'm on the sixth floor. You're at Saranat Live. You guys are taping that on the eighth floor. And in this famous studio, 8H. And so we're always running into each other. And I think we ran into each other. And we're both from Massachusetts. I'm from Brookline, Mass. You're from, where are you from again? Lexington. Lexington. Yeah. That's right. Lexington. Uh, and I knew that about you. And we'll talk about that because I have a story about that too. Okay. But uh, we bump into each other and we're talking about it's the holiday. We're both going to, I'm going to head up like on Wednesday for Thursday Thanksgiving or something like that. I think something like this. And then uh, we're chatting and you said, asked me how I was getting up there. And I said, I'm just going to drive. Is this right so far? Yeah. Except I thought I was actually a guest on your show. We were chatting in between the little thing. Yeah. But in any case, yes. Either way, you know, I had no life. Uh, outside Nor of the show. I. Yeah, okay. so oh, yeah. Okay. so yeah. it makes sense that it happened during the show because yeah. <laughs> you were a guest and in the commercial breaks so the band's playing. And you said, you said, uh, hey, Conan, um, you headed back to Massachusetts? And I said, yeah. And you said, how are you going? And I said, I'm going to drive. And I think you said, you were mentioned that you had to go up too. Yeah. And I think either you asked or I offered, uh, why, don't you, why don't we drive together? Exactly. And there we were. Cut to us. Off, cut to us in your car, 
pulling over in Connecticut. We're driving walking along. In, yeah. Walking into a Wendy's yes. somewhere in Connecticut. <laughs> so we're driving along and I'm hungry and you're hungry and I see the Wendy's girl who always looks like me. I'm you very- her, You have an affinity. Yeah, I have an affinity for the Wendy's girl because that's what I looked like when I was 14. <laughs> And uh, I'm chugging along and, and I was like, let's stop and get a bite to eat. I think if I remember correctly, you were like, this is a little weird that we're both oh. gonna walk into a Wendy's together. Oh, I thought it was just kind of funny. Cause it's like, here we are, the stars of NBC television. <laughs> we carry NBC on our shoulders and here we are walking in. There's also a funny height differential. Yeah. To add to the comedy of it. And we did walk into a Wendy's. We did walk into <laughs> like, a Wendy's. Like common folk. Oh, yes. And this is I the amazing mean, thing. And you know what? I have not like been out in public folk. since. This is That was the last time. I don't <laughs> okay. know about you, but I that was my last taste of the really? real world. Yeah, I oh, just said, wow. well, there can be no more of this. <laughs> uh, no, we walked into this Wendy's and it was funny because they knew who we were and we just walked in like it was a sketch. It was like, (laughs) and then we got our Wendy's and sat down and ate and we had a lovely time. I feel like we weren't, I didn't, I don't remember being recognized, but maybe you were recognized by a bunch of people. uh, I think I made sure that I was recognized. Okay. (laughs) I usually, Sona, isn't that true? When I walk into a restaurant, I say, well, Conan O'Brien here to eat. I'm here. (laughs) TV's Conan O'Brien. Yeah. Yeah. If, but then the other thing is that you you gave me door-to-door service. You dropped me off at my house. Yes. And the cute thing is my mom, who probably hadn't baked anything since, like, I don't know, I was, like, in high school, had made cookies, yes. which is so cute. Because she knew Conan was dropping me off, oh. which is so cute. She it's came so out cute. and she gave me cookies. And yeah. I think I came into your house for a little bit. I think bit. you did. You did. And, yeah. um, and I think I <laughs> probably stayed for a little bit longer than I should have. And I'm guessing no. like I could just see you and your mom being like, so <laughs> no. long drive to Brookline. You better <laughs> no, get going. No. no, that didn't happen. But I remember- but yes, I kn- I knew we would be talking about when. Well, if your memory is like mine, I was like, oh, we're going to go Wendy's first and foremost, <laughs> first off the bat. And I'll tell another story that what? Uh, that unites us, what? which is, um, I want to say it was, I think it was 2000, way back in the year 2000, uh, which I can't believe it's that long ago, but I'm hosting Sarah Not Live. Oh, and yeah. so you used to write these great sketches about, um, all the Boston characters, like Ben Affleck would be in it. And it would, and you do a great Boston accent and it's all just people with these really thick Boston accents. And you thought, oh, this is a home run. <laughs> I'm gonna write one of these Boston accent uh, pieces for Conan, cause he's from Boston. And you write it. And I remembered uh, you came up to me just before read through, which is on Wednesdays. And you're like, oh, Conan, I wrote one of those Boston pieces, so just do the Boston accent. And I do it at, at rehearsal, and it's a Uh-oh, funny- I'm scared. It's a funny sketch, and people laugh. My Boston accent, you know, I, I had moved away, and I don't think I ever had a really strong Boston accent, and I didn't have the ear for it. And I had lived a lot of places since. I remember you came up to me afterwards, and you went, yeah, well, the Boston accent was kind of off. We could get it better. No, yes. oh my God. No, 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 you weren't being wrong. You weren't being <laughs> mean. sorry. No, no, no. Rachel, you weren't being mean, but I was, and so you wrote this sketch. You were right. You've got, you know, it's gotta be right. So for the rest of the week, 
you'd come up to me and go like, all right, now just say this thing where you're like, yeah, I got to go over to talk to Yaz and the Yad. And I go, yeah, you got it. And you'd be like, no, 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 no. Like in Boston. And I'd say, I, I, I honestly, I'm sorry, Rachel, I'll I'll do it. I promise. And I never quite got it. And you, I remembered up to the minute we did it and it aired up to the minute we did it. I never could quite get it right. And you were horrified. Like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> oh, he grew up in Boston. No. Yes, Oh, this my happened. gosh. I apologize. Don't apologize. You, you were right. I know, but, like, you're you're hosting. You're nervous about, like, a million sketches. And I'm, like, nattering in your ear about Well, you freaking, were right. You just got to like, be right. And it was- Like cr- a dialect coach. But you know what was so- <laughs> Sorry. You know, what was, you know what was so crazy, Rachel, is that I've seen- My parents have Super 8 films of us from, like, when we were oh, kids. Yeah? And I'll see those, and we all, including me, have full-on Boston accents. Really? Yeah, and oh, um, you know, I'm full-on talking that way. And then something happened. I don't know if it was self-loathing. You got smart. You I got, got smart. Is smart. what happened. <laughs> yeah, I got smart at having. It went away. But I remembered this. Um, I never forget when I've let someone down, like oh, that sticks with no. me. And I swear you did to not let me down. I swear to God, uh I I was like I could see it in your eyes, like this idiot doesn't he's no. not getting it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, I don't remember feeling that way. But I Well apologize. now I encourage people to go out, look for the Conan O'Brien hosting Sun Alive in two thousand. No, I and, remember because we were we were like outside a parking lot yep. at a convenience store or something yep. like that. And I remember. Did Ben Affleck come on too? Yeah, but he didn't do sketch? it at dress on air, oh, okay. and no one told me. So what? on air, we're doing it, and all of a sudden, at the end, <laughs> Ben Affleck <laughs> runs out and he's like, "Yeah, Sully, be a friend." And the band kicks in, and I was like, first, I just thought someone from the audience had run out, <laughs> and I realize it's Ben Affleck. And I didn't even know he was going to be in the sketch. Oh, so no, I, I mean, no one was telling me happens. anything. They were just like, you know, oh. you know, and Lauren. Well, I apologize. No, I don't want for you my, to. For my stick. I was being a stickler, I guess. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I don't you, remember feeling. Well, that, but listen. I remembered you were worried about it. So I remember I was trying to like help you. Oh, so that's tips. how you remember anyway, it. No. That's how I remember that you were worried about yeah, it. Yeah, and I needed you and you were trying to help me. No, you were doing the right thing, which is like me, I'd be doing the same thing. I take comedy really seriously. And if something is three degrees to the right or the left, I'm I'm like, we gotta get that fixed. And so uh it just really stuck <laughs> oh, out with me. God. You know what this is? It's water under the bridge. <laughs> water under the bridge. Dirty water. Do you ever, I go back all the time to visit my family. And when I go back there, I do have this weird feeling of noticing all the stuff about Boston that really cracks me up. Like the fact that I'll walk around and everyone's wearing a Red Sox cap. And when you're in, like it's, you're, you're standing up for your team when you're in Cleveland and you're wearing a Boston Red Sox cap or you're in New York but when you're on Newberry Street and everyone, including dogs walking up and down the street, have little Red Sox caps on <laughs> right. and you're wearing your Red Sox cap, it's like, we all know. We're all good. It's okay. I thought everyone did that in every uh, in every city. No. I guess. It is okay. not like that. It is okay. not like that. It is, it's peculiar to Boston, but God bless them. Mm. God bless them all. God um, love you. 
Yeah. <laughs> do you go back a lot? <laughs> I do, yeah, because all my high school friends are there. So I go see them a lot, yeah. Now, I have family. to ask you, because yeah. both of us, you know, you're Lexington, I'm Brookline, both from Massachusetts. And I think like me, I was interested in comedy, but nobody I knew was in show business. Show business felt like, why even talk about it? It's an impossibility. I was not one of those, I mean, this is pre-TikTok, pre, I'm gonna make stuff on the internet and get some likes and some good comments and then maybe I'll be a, a celebrity. Uh, that seemed completely impossible to me. What was your experience? Yeah, exactly the same. Like I liked doing school plays and I was really into watching SNL when I was little and I was sort of became like this class clown type, but I never thought of like putting that all into like, I'm going to be an actor. Like the right. same, like what you said, I had no idea. It was just something like for fun sort of, but I was definitely a comedy fan. Right. I was yeah. huge into comedy and you could make your friends laugh. Like to me, yeah. comedy was not something that I thought I would ever get paid for. It was something I did for for my friends. They knew it, but other people in high school like didn't know it. Yeah, well, so I had this little group of friends and they're all really funny. So I didn't, I wasn't like, I'm the funny one. Cause like I, I had a whole bunch of funny pals around, but then I was the one that was like doing the school plays. So I think that- I don't know that, you know, I would see movies and be like, oh, how do people get into movies? Like, how do they do that? You know, but it was more just for fun, I guess. I really thought, I remember there was a time when I was a kid where I thought the way to get into movies was to go where they're making mun and walk into the movie. Oh, oh yeah. Like, <laughs> I still on. feel like that. When I see a set, like, and I don't have a job and I see like, oh, they're filming across the street. I'm like walking my dog, like, you guys need a extra... Later in on this movie, like it still, my, still my, crosses my mind. My sister Kate, and a shout out to my sister Kate. She's hilarious, but she lives in Boston. And I swear to God, for years, she always had a knack for showing up on the local news. So she's just like, if anything happened, she somehow was nearby. And then they'd say like, we talked to this resident. <laughs> oh man, you should have seen it. It's just crazy what happened. <laughs> like oh Kate again. Gosh. How did Kate get That's into the local so news? Fun. Yeah, she was on more <laughs> local news stories, I think, wow. than anything. Buddy. I was, yeah, she just had that knack. She was always a great witness to something, whether she oh, had yeah. seen it or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. But it's, it's funny because you got this, you only look back on it later. Now you have this pedigree, which is incredibly cool because you get out of college, you get involved in Second City and you're working with like Adam McKay and Tina Fey. And when you look back on it now, it looks like you knew exactly what you were doing. Do you know what I mean? Well, so yeah. So I started doing improv in college and then we had gone out to one of the guys in that group was from Chicago. So we'd gone to check it out. So my my take was, and I don't know what you know what you thought when you were starting up, but I was just like, okay, I'm just going to try this so I don't go through my whole life thinking like, oh, I should have at least given it a shot. You know, so I was like, I'll right. just try this Chicago thing. It probably won't work. And then I'll move back to Boston and become a therapist. That's because that was my other career interest. But really? um, yeah, I was really into psychology. I mean, I still am. But but so anyway, then I would like, you know, made very, very slow progress in Chicago. Like, you know, I didn't get into Second City classes right away. And then I didn't get like I, you know, like we all have our little rejections, whatever. But sure. then I just kept going. And um, yeah, I mean, like right away I met. Adam McKay and um, yeah, he was one of the first people I met there at Improv Olympic. Then like eventually got into Second City with, and like Tina Fey and Scott Adsit and 
oh my gosh, a whole John Glazer, I think, was in with you. John Glazer was in my, yeah. Yeah, who was a writer performer on my show for years and years. Hilarious guy. And Brian McCann. Um, I used to watch him all the time in this improv. Like he was in like the the group ahead of me. Sort of, he was like the house team. So like you kind of learned through osmosis of watching these guys perform every yeah. weekend. Yeah, you know? that's a weird thing. It's like if you want to be a miner, go to where all the mines are and go down into the mines. <laughs> yeah. Like there, that's yeah. what that's Chicago and L.A. It's probably still that way. But I remember uh, very much in the improv world because I was interested in the same thing, coming to that same fork in the road and thinking. There's Chicago, Second City, yeah. or there's LA Groundlings. And I got a job in LA so that I made it the Groundlings. But, um, and then later on went back to Chicago and did some stuff there and met a bunch of people. But it's crazy how if you go and you hang out with those people and you find your group, it will happen one way or the other. Yeah. I mean, so many people that we started out with are working. Because like, this is always strike whenever people ask me for, you know, college, this college kids asking for showbiz advice. <laughs> like the thing I always say is that pretty much everyone we start out with, if you stick with it, you know, they're, they're working in writing or acting or something. So it's not as hard as, you know, I mean, it takes a lot of time, Yeah, but it's not like impossible, you know, so. Were you in a, you were in a show, you and Tina were in a two person show together, I think. Yeah, that was, um, so after we both had done the main stage for a couple years, then she was at SNL as a writer and I had left Second City and nothing was kind of happening. So we did a two person show in Draft and Faye in Chicago and then we did it here and it was just, yeah, both of us doing sketch. Yeah. And it just felt like, oh, we're speaking the same language here. We can. Oh yeah, but I mean, we had already performed together at Second City and everything. But then, actually, after that, like she got moved to be the anchor on Weekend Update. So, um, you know, it was good for her to be seen by Lauren, probably as the performer that she is. Right. You know? And and yeah. and I'm curious about. Obviously, you did a lot of iconic stuff. Debbie Downer. I know Sona is a massive. I I am too, but Sona I love Debbie Downer. And and oh, tell, and, and as a you. fan, Sona, tell us what was it that really hit you about Debbie Downer? Uh, the how real it is. How everybody has that one friend who's just shitty to be around. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's definitely the thing people come up to me about the most, and they always say that like that's my boss, that's my mom, that's my whoever it is. Yeah, but like there's a Debbie Downer that lives inside of. <laughs> now, is that really like, you? I, is that really you? Well, it's not. But like what it is, is I edit out like the thing I want to say. Because like, you know, I read all these bad news stories all the time. <laughs> and so if someone says to me, like, I want to be like, oh, actually, that's because of climate change. Like someone's like, oh, it's really nice. Isn't this nice? It's 70 degrees in December. Like there's a part of me that's one. That's due to climate change. But, um, so, but I, but I like hold myself back. And I'm picturing the camera pushing in too, <laughs> exactly, which womp, is crucial. Womp. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny because maybe you can diagnose yourself, but you say this isn't you, but it's a part of you, and you uh, were very interested in psychology uh, and and studying the the human mind and behavior. What does this say about you that this is part of you? Oh, geez. I don't know. Because it might be a Massachusetts thing. You know, there's a little <laughs> bit of a Massachusetts thing, like where, you know, we, we oh, grew right. up expecting- Take you down a notch. Yeah, yep. exactly. We always, whenever someone says, hey, congrats, Conan, on good thing <laughs> happening to you, I go, well, yeah. remember, oh, you know, yeah. let's just <laughs> totally. let's chop that down to size, and yeah. tomorrow I could easily be dead. And they go, what right, was that all right, about? Right. 
I don't know. I mean, the way that I would write sketches, I don't know what it was like for you because you were a writer on the show. Mm -hmm. You had to come up with stuff every week. But for me, like, I mean, the actors have to write too, as you know. Yep. But um, I definitely couldn't just sit at a computer and be like, I'm going to write something funny now. Like, I had to be sort of hit by the muses, which would happen. Right. A couple times a year, like for something really good <laughs> that would last. Like, you know, I could crank out a scene, but it wasn't always going to be like, oh, my God, this is going to be great. Like that was maybe <laughs> once a year. Where, and it came from like something in life that you would see and then pocket that for a scene. Like it has to be something I observed right. rather than like. I'm going to write a scene about the current political situation. Like, that was not me, so. Well, I was a writer and not a performer on the show. And what I remember is my best stuff was stuff where I was clowning around because I always performed for the other writers. And I would clown around for the other writers and get them laughing. And one of them would invariably say, that would be a funny sketch. And I'd go, oh, yeah, oh, right. I forgot yeah. we're supposed to be doing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'd right. all, you know, we'd, a couple of us would sit down and write it out. Uh, and sometimes I'd even forget, what was it I was doing again? No, no, no. It's really funny when you came in the room and you did that thing. And so yeah. some of my favorite sketches were bits that I was doing for people around the conference table at SR Not Live. And I just, it was making me laugh and it was making the other writers laugh. And then it turned into a sketch. So right. I'm the same way. I, I couldn't just put some paper in a typewriter and uh, and go, hmm. And I just really dated myself. I know, uh, I was going to say. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> we, we, there were no, when I was at SNL, not only did we not use typewriters, we used, we wrote stuff out in longhands and then we took it to this. For real? Yeah, that we took it to this little steno pool of all these different, I remember it was like, Five. It was like a 1950s. It really was mad. It was <laughs> Mad Men. There were five. There were like five women, and you'd hand them the no stuff, way. and they would clack, clack, clack away, and then they would come find you and go because we were writing in longhand, and we were writing, you know, sometimes upside down, lying on the floor. Uh, we'd fallen asleep, and they go, "I'm sorry, what's this say right here?" Oh and I'd my say, gosh! Uh, that's uh, oh, it's a dilapidated home, or this yeah. is the word, or that's an A, not an E. So yeah, I w it was the same way it had been done in 1975 when the show wow. started, and I think within probably two years of me leaving, it was all computers. Ah. Okay. But I was the same way. I couldn't just sit down and, yeah. well, it's time to write a sketch. Clickety, clackety, clickety, clackety. I, I couldn't do that. I, it had to be something that came out of, I think, my behavior half the time. Yeah. The worst is when it's writing night and I had no ideas. And then you hear all these gales of laughter coming from other Oh, offices. my God. That's the worst. <laughs> and you're just sitting there like, oh, it's three in the morning. I got nothing, you know. Oh, it's the worst. It's the worst when, <laughs> and everybody felt it, you know, so many people have just gone on to be a big deal or it, it doesn't matter. Everybody had that feeling. Yeah. I don't care who you were. Chris Rock had the feeling several times of walking past closed doors and hearing laughter inside and thinking, shit, I don't have anything right now. Right, right, and, right. Uh, Or David Spade or whoever, name anybody. Yeah. Everybody had that feeling. We all did. And it's such right. a lonely feeling because it's three in the morning. You know that your term paper is due in a couple of hours. <laughs> oh, God. But I mean, at least because you're a performer, you knew that even if you didn't write something, someone's going to cast you. Yeah. You know, someone might cast you, but, you know, you couldn't count on someone to write you this amazing character because that usually 
came from the actors. And then every so often um, you'd get sort of like handed this amazing idea from somebody or you'd get cast in, in a regular sketch. You right. Know? Yeah. Where did you come up with the idea for a girl with no gaydar? Okay, yeah, that was from an actual. Like, I was at a party of a of a gay friend of mine, and there were like eighty men and five women there, and I was joking around like, um, "Oh, the odds are really good here. You know, <laughs> I'm gonna, gonna meet someone tonight." And so, like, that's how that sketch came about. Or like, there's this one sketch. I mean, it was like not that this is like a classic or anything, but I once wrote this sketch with Emily Spivey where we were playing that game Celebrity. Mm-hmm. You know, when you put all the names and like. Because I was at an actual celebrity game where one guy was getting really, really mad and it was creating tension. So then I was, oh, this would be a funny sketch. So so we did the sketch where like I was just getting super pissed and then I ran through a wall like Looney Tunes style. But <laughs> just that, that kind of thing, like something happens in life and then you're like, oh, this would be a sketch, you know. But like I said, you couldn't control when that was going to happen. You can't so. control it. And also it's amazing how other people in the world who don't do it for a living We'll watch something happen that's pretty mundane. Like, you know, Rachel, you'll just be, you'll be in a Wendy's and you'll bite into your burger and part of it will fall on the ground. And they'll say to you, <laughs> Rachel, this is a sketch for SNL. Totally. And you're thinking, no, how is that a sketch? <laughs> a piece of the burger just fell. And you're like, I'm telling you, that's a fucking sketch. And like, I've always loved that part where I went, really, tell me how that sketch works. The burger falls. Yes, I was just saying this. Like, like you're paying in a cash register or something, and they're like, don't put this in a sketch. And I'm like, what? Like, if there was anything here, I put it in a sketch. <laughs> right. Your loved one passes away, and you're you're there, you know, kneeling at the casket, and they're like, don't put this in a sketch. What? You know, this is a sketch. No, it's not. I lost a loved one. They're dead now, and I'm praying over their corpse, and they'll never see them again. <laughs> hey, this is going to be a sketch. <laughs> I know it is. You know, it's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus, they also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, beat. I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. <laughs> well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take Sorry. it. Just take it down. I notch. didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. Uh, so I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check out brunch. Boy. That's all right. Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loudspeaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, <laughs> find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds, according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. C5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.
way in today, Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we were all dancing the Jitterbug and the Watusi. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone (laughs) cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's (laughs) happening anymore. But guess what? In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. The great taste of Miller Lite. Are you with me on this? Oh, yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. And you know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm -hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it's less filling Miller Lite or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. Yeah, right, everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. If most people are being honest, no one really knows what you do for work, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, especially if you're in a, what I like to call B2B. Oh, you know? what, what is that? I'll explain. Okay. That's a business doing business with other businesses. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I call it B2B. It's a little thing. It's also, uh, it's a boy band I'm working on. <laughs> anyway, fortunately, LinkedIn has a network of professionals who get what you do and you can reach the right people who matter most to your company because they're LinkedIn. Yeah. That's what they do. LinkedIn has over, this is the fun part to say, one billion members. Are you serious? Yeah. That's not, that's more people than are on earth because there are people on the moon using it and Saturn. (laughs) (laughs) That's one over 1 billion members on its platform, including 70 million decision makers. God, I'd like to meet a decision maker. Since LinkedIn members are regularly updating their work history, you can precisely build a target audience by job title, industry, company, and more. Man, you can reach the right people for your, I'm going to say it again, B2B business with LinkedIn ads. Yeah. Gets even better because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Hmm. There you go. Just go to linkedin.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Where are you right now? We're not in the studio together. You're uh Oh, I'm in New York. Okay, tell me about your life. That's where I live. Uh-huh. Cuz I, I thought I was York. told that you're one block away but you just refused to be in the room with me. Oh, uh, what? Well- <laughs> Yeah, but you're Wait, just you're real... in L.A., right? I'm in L.A. right now. Yeah. Okay, okay, just making sure. Yeah. No, I'm in New York, and, um, well, I have a kid. Oh, yeah. Um, How old's a, your kid? I have a young kid. He's 11. He's 11. So he yes. is he funny? Oh, yeah, he's very funny. Not that I've been like, okay, we're going to do... Co-. He just is, like, naturally funny. Yeah, I don't think so, you can train people to be... Uh, yeah. A, a kid's funnier than not. You can't say, all right, get right. up. Now, remember, exactly. here's double take. Now, triple take. <laughs> You know, now look sad. Now look suddenly happy for no reason. Now fall down. I suppose you could. Are your kids funny? Uh, yeah, they are. My kids are really funny. And 
totally unimpressed with anything I'm doing. Like totally, oh, really? okay. yeah, in a good way. They're just like, uh huh. Yeah. So that's works for you. Okay. Keep trying, old man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't done that much like for his age range. So I haven't really had a, you know, a big moment where I've scored big with him. But um, but yeah. So I'm here in New York, and I'm like a mom, and then I do comedy. <laughs> When things come along my way <laughs> or I write something, you know, yeah, how yeah. that goes. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So. But uh, <laughs> that's funny to say I'm a mom who does comedy. <laughs> well, I guess because when you said, what's my life like that? Like, that's my main thing is like school pickup and stuff like that. So right. um, and then, yeah, but like I, I was off doing a movie this summer with Anna Gasteyer, actually. So I was away for a bit doing that. I bet you had fun, you and Anna. Oh, yeah, it was so fun. Yeah, it was really fun. Do you find that you, um, they're the ones who are funny when it's time to be funny and then kind of quiet and introspective the rest of the time? Um, yeah. I do not fall into that category. Uh, <laughs> I'm, would you say that's fair, Sona? Very fair, yes. Yeah, I'm, yes. I'm uh, trying stuff out all the time <laughs> yep. on anybody oh, I meet. Okay. I'm just trying to get laughs out there in the world uh, with anybody I come across. Where are you on that on that spectrum? I'm if, not. You're not that way? No, like I think sometimes people meet me and they're like, you're not funny. But but, um, but with my <laughs> friends, I feel like <laughs> my friends, I feel like I'm funny. Oh, this is funny. When someone came up to, I was walking with my son. He was like seven. And someone's like, what's it like to have a funny mom? And he's like, I make her laugh more than she makes me laugh. Like, totally <laughs> but it's true. Like, it's totally true. Right. Um, no, I'm definitely not like, well, let me try out this bit. I don't know. But then, like, when I get around. So you're healthy is what crew. you're saying. You're, <laughs> what you're describing, Rachel, is a healthy person. <laughs> well, but when I'm around, you know, my friends, like my funny friends, then, you know, we get. We we really get going, Kona. No, but you know, I like with those SNL ladies are my my regular my regular friends. I mean, I have friends that aren't actors that are also very funny. So it used the- to be in the olden days that there were people that were really funny, and most of them didn't go into show business. You know, most of them hmm. were like they'd go and become a dentist, and then you'd get to know them as oh, he's that dentist who's really funny. You know, yeah, or he's that yeah, yeah. he's that guy that operates the jackhammer at the construction site, and he's, yeah. but he's really funny, right? And then I think right. we're in this era now where if you're a funny person, it's almost incumbent upon you to be making comedic content all the time. You know what I mean? Uh, for the internet or whatever, you know, it's like why aren't yeah. you doing this for a living? Well, we do need some dentists. We do need right. some people repairing the roads. <laughs> we have well, plenty I of think funny that's people. Kind of- but I think that's good that you're always <laughs> you're always thinking of, of comedy because um, uh, I I think I used to be more like especially on the show you know when you're on SNL you're like I've got to come up with something. so I was always like eyes out to find funny things but right. now that I don't have to think of sketches anymore I'm not going through life like this would make a good sketch you know right like the, right that was my cash cashier voice of the person that told me <laughs> um, I think you blew it because I think this cashier <laughs> thing is fantastic. <laughs> I actually think the cashier was I'm right. I'm going to write it. I'm going to write it. <laughs> what if you write, write it a, up. You're going to write a write sketch that, that just happens to have a cashier a in it in the back. Yeah, yeah, just a transaction. A cash credit transaction. <laughs> That's it. What's it like? I'm curious about this because you've had this experience and I know some other SNL people have had this experience. I have not, but you were on SNL and then you leave 
and you do these other things, but then you were called back a couple of years ago to play oh, yeah. Amy Klobuchar. And I'm thinking, what's it like to go back into that world? I'm fascinated by that. Well, for me, it was super fun just because, you know, I don't know. I didn't feel like, you know, I'm the big star of SNL ever. You know, like some people are you know, really it's it's known that they're like the thing. I, I never really felt like that. So to even get the call to come back, I was really like, oh, OK. Like, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> right now you're just looking. At well, me. I'm looking at you because you, like, like you made your uh, you made your mark. You you made your mark well, on SNL. I don't know. Like, you know how that places like oh boy. You, did, um, you definitely didn't feel like I knew you'd come crawling back. <laughs> you should have you should have had that attitude with Lauren when he called you back to be on SNL. Oh I Lauren. knew you'd you'd be calling me. Yeah, so I was I was very flattered. I was I was touched to be called back. You know, I mean we but we got called back every so often to do like the Betty White show and like so it was really it's really fun to go back there. But they called me to do that Klobuchar like you know how it goes like they call like Thursday night, we've got a sketch, you know, can you come tomorrow kind of thing. Right. So um, it was definitely out of the blue. And then like, you know, it kept, I kept getting to go back the whole year. So it was really fun. Well, I would yeah. think, tell me if I'm right about this, but I think it would be nice when you're there for the first time and it's, you're new, especially Starting Out Live. And I've always been honest with people that that was the most intense environment I've ever been in. For all the different comedy work I've done, it just felt like huge stakes, very competitive. You're you're deprived of sleep. You really feel like you got to make it or your career is done. I mean, it, it, all, it all felt very do or die at, yeah. when I was at SNL. And I think I've talked to a lot of people and I'm still friends with a lot of SNL people who say, yep, that's that's how they felt too. I think it would be nice to go back because you're in a different place now and you can just appreciate, oh, they want me to play Amy Klobuchar. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll come back and my whole life doesn't depend on it. Do you know what I mean? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like, oh my gosh, my, you know, everything could come crashing down today or whatever. <laughs> I mean, because you're you just- really are the Debbie Downer. You really, you really- <laughs> what, what I mean, like, well, you know, the pressure for me was, was trying to write and create stuff. And then, like, the performing part was always really fun, at least in my, how I remember it. So when you go to back to do something, you're not worried about, is my sketch going to do well or not in front of the audience? You're just there to perform. So right. all that's gone, and you're just there for, for the fun. Yeah, right. and the cocaine. The cocaine. <laughs> I'm glad we got back they to the cocaine. They plied me with cocaine to do <laughs> That's Klobuchar. the only reason any of us go back. <laughs> <laughs> so I know you worked with... Anna Gasteyer on this Christmas movie. Yes. Tell me about that. Okay, so we we wrote a movie together. Um, it's a parody of one of those Hallmark Christmas movies. Mm -hmm. And it's called A Clusterfunk Christmas. And it's coming out um, December 4th mm -hmm. on Comedy Central. And um, we actually wrote it last year. And then, of course, the pandemic happened. So then we sh when then we shot it this summer. But but the cool thing was we we hooked in with this um, guy, Michael Murray, who's written a whole bunch of these real Hallmark movies. Oh, great. So, he, <laughs> so, so you can get he, that authentic feel. Yeah. Like he totally helped us with, you know, OK, in act three, this has to happen and then this has to happen. And like he gave us sort of this. He was like our Yoda guru, whatever you want to call it. And and helped us with the structure. And then we we went off and wrote. Because this a Hallmark Christmas movie is a very specific format, very specific. It is, yes. 
they almost kiss here, but then they don't touch here and they go on a date here, like that kind of thing. They have a fight here. Yeah, they're exactly. perfect for each other, but they An keep finding yeah, exactly. exactly. They keep finding An emergency ways. happens here. Right. She leaves town and comes back. Da 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 da. So anyway, yeah. Oh, and then Anna and I play. We play these spinster aunts who own the inn, <laughs> that, <laughs> we're the Clusterfunk sisters, uh-huh. and um, we own the Clusterfunk inn. And this, <laughs> this, you know, bitchy executive from the city comes to buy up the inn, but finds the spirit of Christmas. Instead. Yes. <laughs> Sorry if I ruined the movie, but. Um, but anyway, that's be great. What that be, is. I would just love it if she didn't find the spirit of Christmas. <laughs> exactly. If she's still bitchy at the end, and it's just like you know what? I'm sorry, I'm not Christian. Um, right. <laughs> it's not my. This is really not right. what I'm into. I, I think Christ was a philosopher, but you, you know, not the Son of God. And I gotta go. <laughs> right. <laughs> they never well, end that way. That doesn't happen. They don't. They yeah. Don't. Was it fun to make? Oh yeah, it was, it was super fun. Um, it was. We shot up in Vancouver. And where everything where is movies. shot. Exactly. Well, also, that's where all these Christmas movies are shot. So that's kind of why we went there. And they put fake um, snow on the ground. Fake and- snow. Lots of fake snow. Some places where there's no fake snow. And but but, you know, like accidental Canadian flags and shots and stuff like that. So, <laughs> Lots um, of yeah. a moose in the background eating a big stack of pancakes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A shout out to the fact that it's supposed to be New York, but is actually in Canada. We tried to do all that stuff. So I think 98% of what all of us see on television now was shot in Vancouver. I think, yeah. you know, they'll be doing a thing about how there's the Great Wall of China. It'll be a movie about the Great Wall of China being right. built and, and uh, it's shot in Vancouver. <laughs> exactly. It just doesn't matter. Yes. We did have to quarantine for two weeks and not leave our hotel room too. I don't know. If you had to do any serious quarantining lately, but um, no, I don't. My okay. work, fortunately, uh, when I'm whether when I was doing the show, we were doing it on Zoom and uh, the podcast. Uh, the only person I can really infect right now uh, is Sona. Oh, and uh, <laughs> you know we've insured for that, and we have another okay. Sona lined up. Should anything happen to this? Oh, somebody. I didn't know that. Yeah, we found her. Yeah. Oh, cool. She looks a lot like you. Okay. Her name's Rona. <laughs> Rona Rovsessian. That's so similar to my yeah, name. Yeah, very similar. Okay. And your parents really love her. They think she's fantastic. She's not my parents? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that was part of it. We had what to the hell? train her how to be like you. And immediately they were like, she's so much better than the real Sona. Wow. Yeah. That accent. That's how they talk. <laughs> Trust me, I've done that. Is your son, you said he's 11? Yeah. Is he familiar like with your SNL stuff? Does he know it? He Not must. Not really. No, I I haven't. Like I know Amy Poehler. <laughs> um, <laughs> she, I don't want to name Amy job, Poehler makes her Amy children Poehler, watch her Very sketches. good friend of mine. No, I know like she's shown her kids a bunch of, of sketches and stuff. And I, I don't know why. I just haven't really thought to do that. One time, like a couple years ago, I showed him the Debbie Downer, like the one at Disney World. And he kind of like checked out halfway through. So I, I don't really. <laughs> I should try again now that he's older though. And he can appreciate it. That's a nice, um, that's a nice thing when you're showing <laughs> your uh, your child. He was probably too young to be truly. In. That was when he was, you know, into Muppets and stuff. But, but no, I haven't really. I haven't shown him that. But he, but he t- like he takes a little improv class and that kind of thing. He's he's definitely into comedy. I'll sometimes whatever. see something uh, pop up from SNL. That's something that I wrote. They'll like back when they showed reruns um, all the time of old SNLs from the nineties and. 
I would watch and I would see a sketch and I go, oh, right, I I wrote this, but I don't remember what it was. Let's see. And I would start watching it and then I'd sometimes it'd be like halfway through and I'd go, this isn't good. Because <laughs> oh, <laughs> I could see no. it with fresh eyes, you know? I remember right, people high-fiving so me backstage as we were watching it. Like, Conan, it's on and it's getting laughs. And me, so my memory is that all the sketches maybe, were amazing, but then enough time went by yeah. for me to be able to look at it and go and see it the way people saw it at home while it was airing. And and, and right. they're like, I, I could have written better than that. I you know? know. But also maybe it was really funny in the 90s. Maybe it was a function <laughs> of the time. There was so much that was funny <laughs> in the 90s. Crippling debt was funny in the 90s. Um, lapels were funny in the 90s. Shoulder pads. Uh, yeah, there was a lot that was funny Wait, in the 90s. Wait, so was your first job The Simpsons? No, no, oh, no, okay, no, no, no. Okay. I... Uh, started out on a show called Not Necessarily the News, which oh, was a yeah, comedy yeah, yeah. show that was on. This was it was on HBO back when. If you wanted to watch HBO, you had to check into a motel, yeah. um, <laughs> and uh, you had to have an illicit affair. Okay. Uh, <laughs> anyone who was watching HBO was was cheating on okay. their spouse, and then <laughs> did that. Then went to Saturday Night Live. Okay. And did that for oh. a couple of years. Then went to The Simpsons. Oh, okay. I flipped The Simpsons in my mind. Okay. Yeah, well, what'd you do that for? I don't know. Didn't you get my know. list of accomplishments? I, I, did. <laughs> I, I, I did. sent it to I, I emailed there, it to you. Everyone's shoot. supposed to know the order the that order I did things of in. Your successes. <laughs> shoot. I'm sorry. I don't include Wilson's House of Suede and Leather, where I worked for a while <laughs> when I came out to LA. Did you ever have any crazy, uh, not crazy, but just oh, embarrassing um, uh, odd jobs? Well, two things. One is, um, well, I did work in a. Um, like a psychiatric hospital when I was when I was thinking of still doing that mm -hmm. when I moved to Chicago. That must be very intense to be in a psychiatric hospital. It was, but see, I was, you know, I was like in charge of um, like activities. I mean, not not the, for the whole hospital, but I mean, I was just running little activity groups with people. So, so, so these are I was probably unqualified, but yeah. um, just doing like <laughs> crafts and stuff like that. So, so, but and then did you ever feel was, endangered in any way? Did anyone no. ever? Uh, I no, I didn't. Okay. I mean, I say so, it, it was like a long. It was like a. Well, I don't even remember. Anyways, no, I didn't feel endangered. Sorry, keep it don't light, Dratch. Um, <laughs> no, I really, I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't feel endangered. I just don't want to be too boring about it. But um, well, just but say then, that you were attacked several times uh, with a blade, but you fended it off. You don't have to tell the there, truth, just as long as it's entertaining. Now it's exciting. Yeah. Now it's comedy. Yeah. Wait, no. There you go. Now um, that's okay. a sketch. <laughs> The guy on lithium attacked me with an exacto knife. Now that's a sketch. Uh, <laughs> one other job I had, an odd job that was only a couple days, was uh, they were opening like a, a you know a, a Warner Brother, whatever it is, Looney Tunes, something like that, like a store in the mall outside Chicago, and I dressed up as a Tweety Bird. You were you know, a Tweety as a Bird promotional as a promotional. You know, to bring people into the stores. And like did that. it work? Do you think you entice people to go in? Um, well, I'll tell you. The first day I did it for two days. The first day I was Sylvester. That was way too hot. It was way too hot in the Sylvester. <laughs> yeah, he's next a day. Putty cap. I graduated. Yeah. <laughs> next day I graduated to Tweety Bird, which is a large <laughs> fiberglass, <laughs> a large fiberglass Tweety Bird that like took takes up your whole body, right? But uh -huh. then like teenagers would come by and like whap the back of the bird, you know? Oh, that's so, like, oh. I just I mean, I didn't fall over anything, but I was just standing there. Like a few times I was like jarred by the sound of a teenager hitting the 
fiberglass bird costume. What kind of person oh knows that a human being is inside a Tweety Bird costume that, and, and, and goes by and thwacks it? How a dehumanizing. Team. What does An that say about team. humanity? I know. No, but so those, those are, that was like a weirder job that I had. But, um, and then I tried, I tried, I wasn't a good waitress, so I mainly just tempted and answered phones. You weren't a good you know waitress? I couldn't, I couldn't stack the plates on my arm. You know what? People do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know who was a waitress uh, and who waited on me? Who? Um, she told me uh, years later, but uh, in the Chestnut Hill Mall, you know, on Route 9, yes. uh, there was a ye olde kind of restaurant yeah. where you'd go and people serving you had to wear that little bonnet thing on oh, their head. Oh, yes, I know what you That mean. people yes. wore in like the 17 yes. and 1600s. Uh, it wasn't called Pewter Pot, was yes, it? Yes, it was Pewter Pot. Uh, it was oh my Pewter God. Pot, and it was a yieldy restaurant. We had a Pewter Pot in Lexington Center when I was growing up. Well, guess what? To, that's why I, I thought of that. I heard the this bonnet. later on uh, when what? she was doing when she was performing on my show, playing Andy Richter's sister in this recurring <gasps> sketch we did. Polar? Amy Poehler said, oh, what? you know, I waited on you once at Chestnut Hill Mall. And I said, really? And she said, yeah, I was a waitress at the Pewter Pot. And <laughs> oh, <laughs> My God. So I think she I had to come this. up to me and say like, prithee, sir, uh, <gasps> <laughs> <you know? laughs> have ye some cocoa. Oh my, okay. So Polar and I actually did work at the same restaurant, but we've told this a million times, but we worked at the same ice cream restaurant in Lexington at oh, yeah? different times. And we had to wear, speaking of, of time, you know, time connected <laughs> um, headgear, we had to wear like 1920s, like styrofoam barbershop quartet no. hats at this No, you point. had to wear that one, and, like a Fuddruckers like kind of outfit? Say, yes, it was called Chadwick's. And um, it was like 1920, they, they played like, you know, play your piano music, and then you'd walk in. We had like flouncy blouses and barbershop quartet hats. And we worked at the same, but not at the same time, but we both worked there. I always so. find it weird that people get like, we've recreated 1915. <laughs> Come on in and have some, you know, a, a time when racism was acceptable. <laughs> medicine like was now. medicine was right. still in its infancy. Children died at 11. You know, just like, this is, yeah. <laughs> what a wonderful the thing roaring to go. <laughs> um. Women can't vote. Have some ice cream. <laughs> like, what? Why is this a time we want to go back to? This automobile will probably kill you. Yeah. Because <laughs> of that piano music. That's why we wanted to go back. Um, yeah. Anyway, I did I have to bust her out for the pewter pot. I didn't know that. Yeah. You gotta get her for that, All man. Right. Yeah. She'll probably deny it now. She's probably she has a whole I'm sure she has a whole PR team that's cleansing her past of the pewter pot. You know, but I'm bringing it back. Okay. Rachel, I love talking to you. And I think you too. Thank we you should for... celebrate yes. by uh, driving together <laughs> from New York to Boston again sometime. We can chronicle it. We can record okay. the whole thing on a podcast. Okay. We can put it online. We'll make hundreds okay. of dollars. Uh, we won't stop at a Wendy's this time. We'll get a fast food place on Route 95 or whatever to subsidize the trip. And we'll okay. stop there. Oh, yeah. And if it's Wendy's, by. if Wendy's puts up the most money, we'll stop at Wendy's. Right. If Wendy's is, is up for the the task, sure. Okay. Yeah. Oh, please. If Wendy's is up to the task. I hear. <laughs> We've plugged got, Wendy's so many times here. We should get I, some. I hope I should get a gift card in the mail. Yeah. Or at the very least, I want to be the new <laughs> Wendy's girl. That's what. <laughs> okay. That's a better, that's a better, um, that's a better goal. All right. I'm looking forward to a, uh, a cluster funk Christmas. This sounds really funny. You and Anna Gasteyer uh, doing uh, your take on a uh, Hallmark movie, which sounds really funny. 
I would check I that so. out. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I hope do. so. I, I hope mean, it's good. I hope. I hope people like it. Yeah. <laughs> so many things aren't as good as you hope they are. Rachel, really fun talking to you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I gotta say, everywhere I go, people are talking about Monopoly Go. And oh. for good reason. It's an absolute hit! Yeah. I love Monopoly. People love Monopoly. And look, Monopoly's been around for a very long time. It's one of the oldest board games ever, okay? Okay. But lately, I walk around and I just hear like, Monopoly Go, Monopoly Go, Monopoly Go. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? What are you guys talking about? And they say, we're playing Monopoly Go. You can play it with your family, your friends. It's a straight delight. There's always something new to do partner events where you can build on each other's boards and crazy tournaments with team events you can recruit your friends for, or you can just compete to outdo them all on the leaderboards. Mm. And when you're not messing with your family and friends, Monopoly Go is always throwing new stuff at you. They have taken Monopoly to the next level. I didn't think Monopoly had to go to the next level, but they did. <laughs> There's timed events like massive multipliers for all your winnings and challenges like treasure hunts and, or money sprees that have fun new mini games. Plus, with tons of rewards to collect, like stickers for trading with friends and hilarious emojis that are perfect for gloating, there's always a reason to dip back in. Yeah. Man, they cracked it, you know? They did. So join the fun. Download Monopoly Go now free on the App Store and Google Play. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend is sponsored by ADT. Now ADT professionally installs Google Nest products so your home is safe and smart. You can check in on your home and manage your security systems from virtually anywhere. Google Nest cams can tell the difference between a person, an animal, a vehicle, or with the Nest doorbell, even a package. You can know that there's a package out there. I know. And not a person. You don't have to that do helps. anything. Yeah, sometimes a person rings the doorbell and I think it's a package. Anyway, <laughs> and with Nest Aware as part of your monthly ADT service, you can get 30 days of event video history, even smarter notifications, like when a familiar or unfamiliar face is seen. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. You can view video of an alarm event and verify or cancel an alarm with just a tap. I'm always setting off alarms accidentally. This is helpful for me. Oh, good. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, well, you got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Google, Nest Cam, Nest Doorbell, and Nest Aware are trademarks of Google LLC. Okay, let's take a listen to one of our voicemails from one of our listeners. Brett, let's listen. Hi, Conan. My name is Marie. I'm calling from Saskatchewan, Canada. My question for you, kind of a two-part question, because there's, I saw there was, or heard there was no rules about that, but I haven't listened to all your podcasts, so I'm not sure maybe if you've talked on the subject before, but... I was wondering your favorite type of genre for music as well. My true question is, if you were an instrument, what would you choose to be? Bearing in mind uh, extremities that the other, the person playing you would be using, um, whether or not it's fingers, toes, their mouth, um, 
Yeah. Anyways, I uh really interested in knowing if you were to choose to be an instrument, what that might be. Enjoy your day. I love it when someone leaves what's clearly a very erotic and suggestive <laughs> message and then says, enjoy your day. You know, that's my favorite part. Yeah, yeah. If you could be ice cream and bright. someone was licking you, <clears throat> what would it feel like and which part of your body would be the ice cream? <laughs> well, anyway, enjoy your day. If you need me, you can reach me at extension 3254. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, wow. Uh, Marie, this is quite the message. Well, I, I, first of all, I'll start with the genre of music. I would say the genre of music that just grabs me by my uh, nether region oh. uh, and electrifies <laughs> me has always been hardcore rockabilly music. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, yes. You know that about me. I do. I used to, um, in college, I discovered the uh, Elvis Sun Session recordings, you know, when he's just getting started out. And uh, he's recording That's All Right Mama and uh, Blue Moon in Kentucky and uh, these different Baby Let's Play House. And then it, that spilled over into all this other um, rockabilly music that I loved. And it got me interested in combing my hair up so that it looked insane. And I grew out my sideburns and I learned to play the electric guitar. And I love that kind of yodely singing. Yeah. Um, you're, I, you're good at it too. Well, thank you. Yeah. I, I think I... I have the feeling, I don't know why, but I almost become some Tennessee, you know, uh, rockabilly cat sometimes. Yeah. And I, uh, I really love that stuff. So that's my, that's my jam instrument. That had uh, an, I had, a, I had an obvious answer for that one. Which for is? you or for Conan? I felt like she was obviously suggesting the cello. I mean, you're in someone's crotch, right? No. No, that's isn't that what she said? If you could be an she, instrument, yeah, you but, would want to be a cello so you could be in someone's crotch. Well, that's where you went. Oh, um, I think she. There's also an oral way that you can go. There are instruments oh. that people mm. blow into. Like would you Clarinet. Say? Wait, like, excuse me. What did you say, David? I said like a flute. What's wrong with you? You sick. F what is yeah. wrong with you? That's gross, David. <laughs> we don't need to get into that, David. What? So you started it. I did not. Yeah, you did. I did. Yes. I just yeah. I the flute. Everybody like was a, thinking it. No, the, the flute, flute you're on blowing on you're blowing on the side and you're making these that's not what? I want to desex this as much as I can. Why? Okay. That's the best part of this question. <laughs> well, is the, this is, is what this, she wanted out of this. Is so you're thinking stuff. it would be fun to be the cello cuz you're down in someone's crotch. Yes. Oh my God. You're the mother of two. <laughs> I don't know. You're the mother of twins, Sona. You've got to clean up your act now. I, you could still be a cello and be someone's mom. No one's ever said that before. <laughs> That's one of those sentences I've never heard before. No, but what are you thinking? Like a, like a, like a sax? Well, help me out here, David. There's another way to go, which I think she was sort of suggest. Am I wrong? Was she not suggesting something sexual when she said, remember, toes, parts of your body, your extremities. Extremities, mm -hmm. you think a woodwind instrument, um, something where mouth is on tube, there's some blowing. <laughs> that's what she's implying. Am I crazy to think that? No, that's what she was implying. Right, which is why my answer is a 1971 Moog synthesizer. Oh. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's the answer that she doesn't expect that is not sexy. This is one of those times where if Gorley was here, he'd be like, oh, good answer. Yeah, and if then, Gorley were here and not yeah. out having his fez blocked, <laughs> um, 
at the local uh, niche hipsteratorium, um, <laughs> he would say like, oh yeah, that right, the 1972 Moog synthesizer, that was the one The Who used on uh, Baba O'Reilly. You know? Okay. Yeah. How is that a sexy instrument? You know? But isn't that. Remember that cool sound from. Another one is Won't Get Fooled Again. Wow. Um, um. Um, apologies to everyone. Uh, I don't know what happened there, but that was the beginning of Won't Get Fooled Again. And uh, I know the Moog synthesizer parts by heart. Anyway, shout out to The Who. I hope you guys are well. Um, (laughs) That's what I'm going They're listening listening right now. (laughs) I think you, and I'm quite certain that Townsend is listening. And he's a big fan, and so is Daltrey. Uh, I don't know Uh, about that. Well, that's my son impression. That's a good one. This is my Conan impression. Here's my son impression. (laughs) His impressions are awful. Here's my impression. Please please pay attention to me. I I have too many siblings, and nobody paid attention. I'm Sonan. Neither of these sound like each other. Sonan, I had twins, and my husband knows karate. I'm Conan. I can't be more Irish. Literally, I can't even try to be more Irish. That's actually That's a very so good impression. <laughs> you nailed me there. <laughs> yes, Marie, I gave you your answers. Rockabilly music, and I want to be a 1972 Moog synthesizer. Right. That plays the introduction to Won't Get Fooled Again. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, there's nothing sexy there. Um, so I win that one. Uh I just mentioned in my impression that your husband does karate. I swore to you when you had twins. Twins! Yeah. That your husband's karate lessons would come to an end because no new dad with twins has the time to take karate. The other day I call you and you're like, yeah, Tech's not here right now. He's at karate. (laughs) Yeah. How can he still be taking karate? Well- Okay, first of all, your life doesn't end. It when does. You have- my, my wife, uh, we had two kids. We had one at a time and everything stopped. Everything. You, you went to work like the next day. Yeah, but I didn't get to take karate. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Tab- it was my dream to take karate and oh, I couldn't. You you can't do karate. Why? I don't know. You don't have it in you. Do you? Can no. you do karate? No. Do you think you can do martial arts for reals? No. But why? I I want to hear why you think. I think I'm just a a tall, foolish fellow. That's. I was gonna say. I don't think you can do it because I think you do bits too much, and then your your karate. Right. I would do a bit about breaking the boards rather than break the board, and then my hand would smash. (laughs) Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. You would. It would be insufferable. They would like tell you to leave. They would kick me out of that dojo. Yeah. No. But Tak has a very supportive wife. And uh, he's very lucky, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> oh, wow. I'd like to see the support of Sona someday. Oh. I guess I missed the boat. Well, all right. Oh, wow. Anyway. Wow. Long time. Uh, Work for you for a long time. All right. Time. Marie, sorry to drag Lots you into our family argument. Hours. Yes. Rockabilly music, Moog synthesizer, my unrealized passion, karate. Conan O'Brien needs a friend. 
with Conan O'Brien, Sona Movsesian, and Matt Gorley. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Take it away, Jimmy. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. Engineering by Will Beckton. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review read on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This episode was produced and edited by me, Brett Morris. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit Spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply.